Welcome to All Things Sleep and Parenting. I'm Pam. And I'm Elisa. We are holistic infant and child sleep consultants with a background in early childhood education. And we're the founders of Restful Parenting. And I'm Heidi. I'm also an early childhood educator and the owner of Blossom Early Learning. Join us as we chat all things sleep, parenting, development, and everything in between. Be sure to hit subscribe and share with your friends and family. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back. We have a special edition of the podcast this week. It's just Elisa and I. Heidi was not available to record with us, so it's just Elisa and I. But what we're doing differently this time is we actually grab some questions from our Instagram DMs as well as our um, Facebook group, All Things Sleep and Parenting on Facebook, uh, request to join. So um, we've gathered some of these questions. So we have about um, four or five questions, six questions, I think. We're going to get through them on this episode of the podcast. Um, we're going to be covering like little four months up to three years. So let's jump in because there's quite a few. So we are going to start with Elisa's going to answer our first question. And this is her question. Um, I'm like looking for information on sleep training when an older sibling shares a wall. Nervous that the baby's crying will wake up or concern my child. We do use noise machines, but still. So this is a big one. I do find that the fear of the unknown can really, really get you in this situation because we always feel like our older children are going to wake up. And always. I can tell you that <laughs> a lot of the times it doesn't actually happen. So yeah. It's all that buildup of that anxiety and it doesn't usually end up happening. However, some of the tips that we often speak to our families about when they are working on sleep with a baby and they have an older child is make sure that you have a conversation first with your older child. So mm -hmm. you want to you let them know that you are working on sleep with the baby and that if, you know, there is a little bit of upset from the baby in the night, don't worry, I am with the baby. I am dealing with things so you don't have to worry about, you know, the baby being there crying, right? Mm -hmm. um, so just reassuring them. Also letting them know of all the positives that are going to come out of you helping the baby learn how to sleep. So, you know, maybe have a special thing that you're going to do with your older child after, you know, a day or two of working through that. And then finally, white noise, you already use white noise, but I would recommend even having a temporary white noise machine or something in the hallway even mm -hmm. so that like an old iPad, an old phone, something to just that you can blast it kind of in the hallway. It's that added barrier. Yeah, I do find that works wonders. And when I used to have a home daycare, I had a loud sound <laughs> machine in the hallway and I found it really, really worked well because I was able to turn it up louder and then all the children couldn't hear each other if they would wake up a little bit earlier or whatnot. So having a sound machine in each of the rooms is great, but then add a temporary one in the hallway, even if it is just an app and a, and a Bluetooth speaker for mm -hmm. a little bit. Great. Okay, so our next question comes from a mom who has a four-month-old, again, another four-month-old, um, and she's wondering about night feedings, when she's supposed to be cutting down night feedings, how long baby should be having night feedings for, um, she's just a little concerned that she's rushing in 
uh, too quickly with the feedings. So when it comes to overnight feedings, there's you're going to have lots of various recommendations on this. So typically at four months, um, our recommendations are one to two overnight feedings. By six months, we want to be down to one overnight feeding. That's kind of our goal. And then typically in there from eight to nine months is when we're working on reducing any if there are still some night feedings going on. So the second, I think there was a follow-up question and she, she does mention, I'm currently dream feeding at four months and it's going great. How long is it okay to keep this up? And what would be signs that I should stop? So dream feeding is one of those things that we actually do um, encourage our families to do. So this uh, dream feeding is we're going in, we're offering that feeding before baby wakes up. This can help um, control those feedings so that we're having one or two feedings, not seven, eight, nine, 10 feedings a night. Um, but then it also helps us reduce those feedings. So that second follow-up question was like, what are those signs? What am I looking for? How do I even know if they need less? So what we want to do there is if you're finding that that first morning feed when you first wake up in the morning is like minimal and barely there, that means they're taking in too much at night. If um, they're barely eating during the day, drinking milk during the day and only drinking at night, that would be that they're taking in too much at night, especially if you're not seeing any of those great feeds during the day. Um, but typically we just kind of go by, by age. So four months, um, that one, two feedings, six months down to that one feeding with those dream feeds. It's nice and easy because what we're doing to reduce, if you are at three or four feedings or more than that, um, or if you're at those two feedings at the six months, all we're doing is reducing it a minute a night, a minute or two, every night or two is essentially, um, our goal. So four months, one to two overnight feedings, six months, one overnight feeding. Yes. And the other thing that dream feeds can help with is babies who are super aware of what's going on. They don't understand why they can feed one time and not other times. So if you find that they're waking up lots in between, that's when dream feeding dream feeds can really help as well. Mm -hmm. So our next question is about toddler sleep battles. Our daughter is two years and one month and is starting to just cry and scream. No bedtime. Every time it's sleep time or night or, or nap time, it doesn't <laughs> seem to matter. Just fighting that sleep all together. We've extended wake windows during the day to help ensure she is tired. Only 30 minutes, so not too much. She just gets so upset. She also knows she is expecting a sibling now too. So I feel like maybe it's separation and attachment related. So how do you assist with this beyond bedtime routines and snuggle time before bed? I feel like she is used, she used to love sleep and now she hates it. Well, I'm I do want to let you know you're not alone. <laughs> Toddlers typically do not like to go to sleep. I mean, children in general, babies, toddlers, sleep just doesn't feel fun for them at the time. I still have my so five-year-old yesterday. <laughs> my five-year-old looked at me and said, with this like scowly look on his face at bedtime, he just looked at me and he said, I don't like going to bed. And I was like, <laughs> I know you don't like it, honey, but it's really good for your body. And we need to have sleep for our bodies to grow and for our brains. So a little bit of age appropriate explaining that, yeah. but also knowing that it's okay for them to not want to go to bed. Right. Yeah. So, but but being sure that you're still setting those limits. So when we're dealing with toddlers who are having a harder time at bedtime and screaming and, you know, having that upset, 
allowing them that space, knowing that that's something that they have every time for now, allowing them the space to get that upset out and yes. to offload those feelings and emotions before bed, right? So validating those feelings, I know that you don't like to go to sleep, but we have to go to sleep right now you know, and then just letting them cry about it for a little bit in your arms or with your presence being there. If you would like more information on how to help your toddler through those feelings and emotions, we are here to help through all of that. You you want to allow them the space to be able to get that out, but also set that firm limit and boundary regarding sleep so that they know that even if they don't want to do it, it's still something that is needed, right? Mm -hmm. They need to do it. Um, And then just taking really, being sure that you're really looking into all of those extra little things that could be contributing. Are bedtime battles a thing that your toddler is now kind of stalling and they know Mm -hmm. that it, it, it does stall the bedtime process if they just have that upset towards it? Is it like every single transition throughout that routine they are upset about it or is it just this one part so taking a look into all of that being mindful that you're not over engaging for all of those little things that don't need the engagement for Mm -hmm. because toddlers really learn how to um, stall the bedtime push the limits and the boundaries so we have to make sure that we are there to support them through that but also maintaining setting those firm limits and boundaries so that is what Pam and I love to help with so if you did need some extra help we are absolutely here for you we can set you up with a plan and support along the way I would say that the knowing that a sibling is coming could be something that is contributing a little bit because there might be some feelings going on with you as well. And mm-hmm. so just, again, doing some little games that can help them through that transition, you know, some role playing is great is a great way to help uh, this age group as well. So pretending that you're, you know, her baby, I don't want to go to sleep and see what she does there and how she can help how you guys can kind of work through that together as well. Um, one of mine that I was going to say too was sometimes, especially when it's like, no, I don't want to go to bed. They don't want to leave what they're doing. Right. So like if you guys were playing Play-Doh and, and it's like, okay, it's going to be nap time soon. No, I don't want to go to bed. I want to play with my Play-Doh or whatever it is. Right. Um, sometimes I've done it where I'm like, Hey, uh, this is going to be here waiting for you when we're done nap. So I will put this right here on your dresser when you're done nap, then we can play with it right away. Sometimes it's just these little things that you kind of dig a little bit to see what else could be, what other little pieces could be a part of it. Um, and that it can be one of it for one of them for sure. We actually do Elisa too, our, um, bedtime toddlers, our bedtime routines, workshop Um, workshop yeah (laughs) goes through all of that as well as the use of timers for those transition periods because sometimes that is what it is and they you know they don't like that they're just being pulled away from something that they like to do at that moment so it is something that they kind of have to work through you can help support them through it while still setting those loving firm boundaries Um, but it is a little bit of a work in progress with toddlers really is. Um, okay, so our last one for today, how to encourage independent sleep if they depend on our hand to be on their chest. This is something that um, happens often. We, we kind of get into what works and then we're like, oh, <laughs> now what? How do I move out of this? So whether it's patting or the hand on um, their chest, what we want to start doing is getting, getting them comfortable 
not having your hand on their chest. So if you have their hand on your, if you have your hand on their chest, um, you can start doing like intermittent. So you have it down firmly for a minute and then you kind of have it up. I just have it like hovering the first day or so. So they still feel that warmth of having your hand there. It's not so much an off completely, but then you're kind of hovering for 30 seconds or a minute and then you put your hand down. So you're kind of getting them used to that intermittent. So it's not a full hand on the whole time until they're falling asleep, hand on, hand off, hand on, hand off. And then we're starting to stretch how long our hand is off. So that maybe we're doing, you know, five or six pats and then our hand is off five, six pats, and then her hand is off. So we're offering, we're offering that little bit of, we're still offering that support that they need, but we're getting them used to not having it. And then as we stretch out, not having that support, um, then we can decrease how long we need to have our hand on them. But it's always that intermittent, come back to that intermittent, yep. not a full on, but on, off, on, off, on, longer, off, on, longer, off. Yes. And what you want to make sure that you are doing is that you're you know, if you're if you're taking more of that gradual approach, you want to make sure that you are making those changes within a reasonable amount of yes. time. So like every day or every couple of days, you're making some changes there so that you're getting to the point where you are needed less and less and less. And at that point, you might choose to move into some more formal sleep coaching techniques, or you might see that it's working well for you to continue with the intermittent, but you want to make sure that you're moving forward from that so that mm -hmm. in a reasonable amount of time right because when we take things too slow for our babies they get used to that new way again and then it makes it harder when you try and reduce the amount of um, intervention yet again like let's say you're taking two weeks with this just a little bit of intermittent and then all of a sudden you're making a new change it's just too long can drag out the yeah. process a little bit more than it needs to be so that's one yeah, like thing to keep it, in mind it makes it harder on them right is it's like what are you doing something now no okay not and then they get really comfortable in it and then you go and change things and they're like no whereas if we're doing little changes they can handle those um okay well that was great gosh we powered through those six questions <laughs> really quickly oh my goodness um thank you everybody for joining us we are going to come back again we have a few more questions so be sure to check out next week's episode uh, next week's episode actually we're talking a lot about our big kids so two we have a lot of questions about two three a one and a half year old and a three and a half year old so lots of questions about our big kids thanks guys thank you